Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back across the Outkick network. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew all here as well, making it happen. NFL Draft, two days away. Looking forward to Thursday's broadcast leading up to the draft and then a full recap on Friday going into the draft weekend. Plenty of news and notes along those lines to hit throughout the day. Uh, We will have Dan Dockich on today's show. John McClain also talking NFL Draft. And coming up in about 20 minutes, uh, longtime NFL running backs coach and current head coach of the USFL Pittsburgh Maulers, Kirby Wilson, on today's program. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Fun show today. Fun lineup. Ready to get it going. A uh, little bit of everything. we got some football. We've got some, I guess, basketball and football with Dan Dockich. going to be fun, and we are two days away from the NFL draft, one of my favorite days of the year. I'm glad it is upon us. Uh, always glad when the questions start to get answered. And uh, it's obviously been a quieter approach this year. With everything that's gone on, uh, the, the, the headlines among the, uh, around the league with, with players already in the league and uh, a duller collection of players, quite frankly, coming into the league. But I, I think there's going to be intrigue with trades and with uncertainty as to who's going where. We don't even know the first pick necessarily here. So uh, intrigue right right from the first time the commissioner steps on stage. And uh, the the news continues with possible trades of current players. Debo Samuel uh, continues to be a player to watch as we near the draft or throughout the first round of the NFL draft for San Francisco. Beyond that, yesterday news came out that uh, the Las Vegas Raiders and Darren Waller could be uh, a potential team to call if you're looking for an all-pro slash Pro Bowl type tight end receiver. And so the Packers, the team that surfaces immediately is interested, and then you wonder immediately why he wouldn't have been involved in the Devontae Adams trade. But the thing is, when you're dealing a player on a franchise tag, you can't deal him. Uh, It can't be a player involved in that trade. It's got to be strictly picks, which I didn't know, but I don't think we really had reason to know uh, because it's never really come up before. I mean, so, I, I mean if you I wonder, look back at deals that have been made with franchise tag guys, it's always been strictly for picks. I wonder if some of the picks that, that Vegas sent to Green Bay, there's some type of agreement that they're going to send them back in exchange for Waller. I doubt it, because I think if anything had been there, it wouldn't have been quiet this this long. I mean, you want the picks this year, right? Like yes. You, the, the picks and future picks are always devalued compared to what you have in the hand, especially if you're... I, De- if you're devalued for you and upvalued up for... Upvalued for the other team, yeah. right? Yeah, so... I mean, that's a shame to me. We're, we're, everybody's high on the Raiders coming out of this. Well, you're saying, wow, you're adding Devontae... To Waller, what a combination there. And they've also got Hunter Renfro. You've got a nice 
collection of of uh, targets for Derek Carr. Well, you take Waller out of that, who's a high volume guy, who's you know pretty much a receiver when he wants to be. Uh, hell, I bet on him last year to be the leading receiver re- receptions guy in the league, and it wasn't an unreasonable bet based on his target frequency. Now you take him out of the mix. And they're, well, they're drafting a tight end for sure, and they need somebody that can take some targets. Uh, obviously, Adams is going to get a ton, would have sliced into Waller, but Waller's a big loss for them. Well, he's got a base salary this year of just $6 million. So It's to, not like he's a To me, it's, it makes sense to keep him. Um, I, mean, I, I, I think the chances are, are that Waller's traded slim because if you're going to move him, he would have been involved in this player movement that we just saw instead of yeah, this is late. having one that team. That would be a hell of an ad for the Packers, who, you know, we don't know how much they're going to be able to do at wide receiver and everything here. But yeah. if you get a big-time tight end, and Tanyan, uh, I think, yeah. is going to come back late, maybe midseason, because he had a serious injury. But if you give Aaron Rodgers Waller, <laughs> I'd put him back in – in the potential Chad betting for a high volume receiver. Well, and it's it's weird because Waller's a different guy. I mean, I'm talking top two, three, four guy in the league, and it seems that every time we get in a situation with a team where we say, "Boy, they've got a plethora of options," boom, someone gets dealt. <laughs> the moment you think <laughs> too it's many. too good to be, you know, the, before the build up to the Chiefs making some additions, and then boom, Tyreek Hill is traded. Okay, well, now what's it going to look like with them? I feel the same about the Raiders getting Devontae Adams and now Darren Waller possibly on the trading block. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me given his salary, but that's a great player for someone and someone who you're looking for true difference makers across the league. He's one of them. Is he at the when end you, of his contract? You look at his skill set up, yeah. and his production, he's one of those difference makers at tight end. The, so he's currently 29. He's under contract through the 2023 season. I'd, and I'd his base salary is $6 million this year. Um, so he's going to want a deal after this year. Right, yeah. But, I mean, again, like you, you either trade him after this year to a team that's going to extend him. Or you extend him. Or you extend him yourself. I, I wouldn't trade him now because he's way too valuable for, if I'm the Raiders, I'm thinking he's way too valuable for – McDaniels. Uh, yeah, go compete to, this year in yeah, that very hard division with all he, your weapons. He runs his offense. The, the extension they just gave Carr, you can pair him with Devontae. This makes them even more of a contender as you start to piece through all the different weapons on top of the additions that they've made to their defense. I'm not moving Darren Stand Waller back. yet. I'm waiting a year. If, 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 if I ever move him, I'm waiting an offseason to do it. I agree. I, I, I'd be trying to extend him next year if I could. They, now they may be they may be saying the the contract we gave Devontae Adams and what we hope is uh, a future contract for future years for Derek Carr of the next two because remember they extended him two years to make it a three year deal they may be saying like hey the money that we've locked up on offense and defense this offseason Waller's it. not in the mix long term but he could be in the mix this year and you can still get something for him by moving him next year yes and draft his replacement this is more conventional football draft his replacement this year let that guy be number two have waller kind of lead the way then that guy ideally is ready next year to step into waller's shoes when waller um is gone i would say go go to the extreme you know old school football you'd go to the extreme waller would play out his contract 
and then leave as a free agent, and you'd have somebody ready to, to step into his shoes. Is Waller the first tight end that now goes into this uh, trend we're seeing this year with the receivers a year ahead? But this, you know, the one thing we haven't talked about as much as we've seen this happen with receivers is if you go back to the CBA negotiations, and we know the, this is not a good CBA for players, and they generally do not get a CBA. One of the things that they had on their list of things that they wanted was three-year free agency. Now, the owners weren't budging on that, and, yeah. you, and you know why. Yeah, um, the control. But three-year free agency would have solved these issues for A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf and Terry McLaurin and Debo Samuel. Question is, how long would it have been before a guy after two good years wanted to renegotiate his deal before the third year? Yeah, that's a little less reasonable. You know, you really would want two years of service or three years of service. But three-year free agency is pretty fast. I could understand ownership resisting that. I'll, Players I'll, are saying four-year free agency is too slow. I'll go back to something I say every time we talk about the CBA being the worst in the NFL. It's no mistake that it's also the best league. Yes, I agree. And I, 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 Continuity. I'm not saying the players shouldn't fight for everything they can get, but from a fan-viewer perspective, the CBA that is worse for the players produces the best product in professional Because you're going to recognize your team's roster next year. Well, you're right. going gonna to recognize the roster. Uh, you're going to have guys who are playing to stay on the roster and continue making the money they're making. There's, there's not the guaranteed element other than signing bonus money. All of this leads to a better on-field product that product may not be as good if we just allow for someone to say, I demand to be traded, and there's no one coming back and saying, well, the option here is, no, you've got a contract, play it out and like it, and you can get paid at the end of it. There's not a lot of people coming back and saying that about these players. It's just, well, where's Debo Samuel going now? Well, the 49ers have an option to call his bluff, make him show up, or not, and then fine him if he doesn't. And I mean, that's, that's also in play for, for all these guys who what's want the more rule, money. What's the rule for retiring? Can well, you be fined if you retire? Can you be fined if you retire? No, but then they're going to have to still do have something with your you. rights. Yeah, but then you, then you trade the rights. Yeah. If I'm Debo Samuel, I just retire instead of being fined. Well, and then again, you yeah, can still call that, their bluff and say, all right, see ya. You're not our problem anymore and you're no one else's problem. So enjoy your retirement. Yeah, but and then the uh, moment you I, decide, well, oh, well, we called you on that bluff and you came back, you still got to come play for us. Yeah, I, I know what you're getting at, but I don't think it's just as easy as saying I retire and then when it's resolved six weeks later, uh, well, we the, trade the you and you're off going, the hook for The team everything. is going to want to get something in return for a player they're not getting anything oh, out of. Absolutely. Um, the other thing about this, uh, that Chad, just, just sticking with the, the worst CBA makes for the best league, the other thing it's less so, but it's still a thing. Changing teams equals changing systems. And when teams make bad choices about acquiring players, it takes time. I'm just thinking of two guys locally because we know them better than we know anybody else. Corey Davis like took the money, but it's like a play with a bad franchise tax, right? So you go to the Jets, but you play with a worse quarterback under a franchise that's in constant turmoil. So And this is as a free agent. But he goes, he gets the money, and what happens with the Jets? It's not nearly as good. They want him as a number one, and what are they looking for now a year after having him as their number one? They're looking for a number one, and they want to well, send him back it, to a number two. They paid him as we, a number two, if which, you look at his contract. Which, which we know he is. But 
ultimately he got the money. Johnny Smith goes to a good organization as as one of two tight ends that gets huge money. Extremely and he overpaid. Didn't produce anything really. He was a big disappointment in New England. Now maybe in year two, as they figured each other out, he does a lot more and he's a a crutch for Mac Jones, but that right now is hope. And the Titans who drafted him and scouted him and took their time with him, he was kind of a slow learner, ultimately got a lot out of Johnny Smith. And there's something to be said in the NFL because it's the most complex. You've got to grow up in a system. You have to learn the system. Your drafting team knows you best if they make it work and all of that. So player movement also – doesn't work a lot of times. John Smith's decision, though, was a smart one. He went to the yes, New England Patriots, the, and in week 11, we were clamoring that they were going to make a run like the 2000 team did. Right. Yeah, you well, can't and, blame and him for going. He went he, to a good team, and he got John. He didn't yeah. go to the bad team tax, as you're explaining. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's, Corey Davis did. Yeah, he went to the Patriots. But I'll also say, when we're talking about the players of that age, they're trying to get that second big paycheck. Got they to. don't care. The guys who actually care about winning – and winning a ring are the guys who've made three contracts already and three signing bonuses that at the end of their career can say, you know, I'm going to go to the L.A. Rams this year because I think they got a good shot at or winning. You might re-up, and I'll take a pay cut. Or you might re-up with do the that. good team that you're on and I'm not, I'm that's not, close. In I'm not office. here to say these guys don't care about winning at all. But they certainly don't care about winning when you sign with the New York Jets. Debo Samuel has no concern about winning NFL games right now. No, because he's on a Debo good team. Debo Samuel is on a great team. And he is begging to get traded to the New York Jets yes. to get his second paycheck before he gets hurt. He's had injury problems already before something happens. And most people this don't blame is, him for that. This I, is a capitalistic don't. society, so I can't crush someone for doing that. But let's also not pretend this is about winning games. None of these guys care about winning games right now. They care about getting money in the offseason. And these teams yeah. don't And if care winning about games come them. with it, great. And I think these that's cross. Absolutely not, because these teams... The Tennessee Titans didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Corey Davis, and they didn't franchise tag Jonu Smith. Because these teams care about making money, saving money, and winning. And if you're the Tennessee Titans, you've still got A.J. Brown under contract. And they had Anthony Ferkser replace Jonu Smith, if who you're was the, awful. If you're the 49ers, you still have Debo Samuel. Under contract. Yeah. And it goes cross So I can sports. understand the team saying, man, but, I, don't, I don't want to be a force. That's, that's, the, that's the example, though. Jonu Smith leaves, who is extremely productive here, and they got worse at the position. Now, they're going to point to Austin Hooper as an improvement a year later. They could have used Jonu Smith last year for Ryan Tannehill when things got really bad well, at receiver. What they should have done is let Jonu Smith go for the big money and drafted a replacement. Right. They overvalued their ability to replace him with bit pieces, and they couldn't. Just going cross sports, mm-hmm. we also don't begrudge Carlos Correa for taking the money and going to Minnesota, which is, is not the equivalent to the Astros. I think that's universal, the money part. Um, well, I, but the, uh, let, me, let me refrain. I'm not going to crush a guy for taking the money, but I'm also not going to praise them for taking the money. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sit here. The it's, it is what it is. Like you decided to go to a worse organization that hasn't won as much because you wanted the money. It's the nature That's of the fine. business. Nature of sports. That's a decision you made. But I also reserve. We, I say this about a ton of things. I reserve the right to love someone because they took a little bit less to go win. That's my prerogative, or to, also, or to stay with their original yes, organization. Absolutely. And in the NFL, that example is which player? I mean, it, it's the examples well, I gave Brady. you before. It's guys the end of their careers already made all their money. It was Tom That's Brady. That's willing to take a little bit less to go somewhere. It was Tom Brady, but Tom Brady has the exception of his wife being filthy rich. So he, he took less frequently when he could have caused 
the, the thing he caused late in his career. He could have forced himself into that situation earlier with, with, uh, with the Patriots. He didn't because he wanted to stay there. He wanted to continue to win, and his wife was making ridiculous money, so he didn't have to press the issue, and his numbers well, were always cap-friendly. The example that comes to mind is Matt Corral. You know, we're crushing right now Ben Simmons over quitting. We praise others for stopping and quitting at times. Matt Corral took heat for playing in that game and getting hurt in a bowl game. That's fine. Criticize all you want. I love Matt Corral for that decision. And I love his rationale behind it. Why would I abandon these guys after they've been there for me for so long? It never even crossed my mind. Never even crossed my mind to not play in the game. We got a game to play. I'm going to go play with my guys. I I love him for that. Maybe that's old school of me. Whatever. I don't care. I love it. And I, I have the right to love that, just like others have the right to say you were dumb for doing it. Well, what fun is it to root for the guy who takes kind of, we understand it, but what fun is it to root for the guy who takes kind of the legally safe, like, well, I'm going to protect myself to make sure I'm ready for the combine and everything. We understand why he does that, but you don't say, oh, yeah, he's not playing in the bowl game. I don't get to watch him. You don't kind of cheer for that. You understand. Well, the, the guys, and going back to the NFL, the guys that, you know, teams are going to be cheering for and fans are going to be cheering for. They're so good, they're demanding more money, so you're going to cheer for them when they produce, when they wherever they go. Yeah. But it's still, I mean, I understand they're looking at the other side and saying, it's all about money for you, I'm going to make it all about money for me. This is my response to you making it all about the money. Now, Darren I'm Waller, make it all about the money. Darren Waller's on the funny side of this because all we've seen right now are guys who are very outspoken about it, right? Pretty much. McLaurin's been pretty quiet. But Debo and AJ have been somewhat outspoken. Darren Waller's not asked for anything yet. He's going to be a, a victim of his if he if he's traded. He's a victim well, he's of his injury. team planning. Coming off injury, and he's you know he's got two years left on his contract with the organization that that picked him up off the Ravens practice squad in 2018 when he was a mess. Or right. coming off a you know he's got messy life circumstances that he straightened out. I would imagine he's very grateful to the Raiders and would like to stay there. Well, they've got to pay him to keep him. Otherwise, he should go and get his. Well, not right now. Coming up, Kirby Wilson will join us. He's the head coach of the Pittsburgh Maulers and uh, quite the story uh, throughout his long tenure in the NFL as a running backs coach, now a head coach for the first time. Kirby Wilson joins us next on Outkick 360. We are excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, a trusted partner that keeps us at Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitaLifeScience.com is the website. VidaLifeScience.com is where you can see more information on the supplements like vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione, and more. Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. That's at VitaLifeScience.com. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. Here's Aurora, unique cutting-edge nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. Aurora supplements absorbed in the bloodstream through the GI tract, ensuring it's not wasted like a typical capsule or or pill. Visit VitaLifeScience.com for more information. That's 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitaLifeScience.com. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. 
It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Another fun weekend down in Birmingham with the USFL just wrapped up week two. I was down there with Coach Mack uh, taking in uh, the, the games. and uh, Chad, I know you were down there for week one. And the overriding theme through the first two weeks is that the college coaches who had some hands-on experience at any portion of the college career with their quarterbacks are having more success right now because you only had three weeks to prepare for the regular season kickoff. A good example of that, just saw it coming down, the offensive player of the week was Kyle Sloter, who we had on Outkick the Tailgate during week one of the New Orleans Breakers. And while Larry Fedora didn't coach him, Larry Fedora's assistants took over for him at Southern Miss and ran the exact same system. So he was very familiar with, with the Fedora system. Speaking of running, Kirby Wilson's team loves to run the football, and he joins us now. He's with the Pittsburgh Maulers. Coach, great to have you on the show. Good to meet you this past weekend. Hope things are well. Thank you. Things are going well, and I'm excited to be joining the show. Appreciate you having me. What's it like to be a head coach for the first time in, what, 36 years as a, as a coach? A running back's background once you entered the league. Now you're the head coach in the USFL. What, two years after you decided to retire, what brought you back? Opportunity. Uh, the USFL uh, provided an opportunity to be a head coach. It was something that I've always dreamed of ever since uh, midway through my professional career. It was something that I aspired, aspired to be. And so when the opportunity came knocking, uh, there was no way possible that I was going to turn it down. So... Uh, it's been great. I'm really enjoying it. I learn every day on how to be better. And uh, it's it's a process, but it's a journey that I really am enjoying, man. It's it's a beautiful thing. You played in the CFL for, for two years, so you know this grind. Is, is this a similar grind to what you experienced when you played in the CFL, now coaching in the USFL? You know, it's always a grind, but it, it's a fun grind. You really... You're not working. You know, as I used to tell my kids many, many years ago, when I would come home and they would ask me, what'd you do today, dad? And I would tell them, I played outside. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is. And uh, we, we, we enjoy it. I'm still enjoying playing outside. And uh, it's been, it's a blessing. Kirby Wilson, our guest, uh, he's the head coach of the Pittsburgh Maulers for the USFL. What's it like the you know, not just the roster management, but the psychological management of your roster uh, at this level. Because you've got guys, just like you do in the NFL, from all different backgrounds, but 
This is different. These are guys that are, you know, maybe they had a shot at the NFL. Maybe they're looking for a shot in the NFL. Maybe they're just not willing to let go of a dream. And because of that, you know, you've got some volatile personalities that are starving to make it one way or another. What's that part of it been like for you in your first time as a head coach? Yeah, that's a great question. And and when we all met up, basically I told the team they were 45 strangers, uh, talented, but strangers. It was up to us and them to work hard and develop to develop into a team. And I, I think we're there. We're not where we want to be, obviously, but it's a work in progress. Uh, I love the personnel that we have. I love the coaches that we have. And the goal is to improve each and every week. And, and we saw that from week one to week two. And I expect us to make another leap this week. So the behind-the-scenes special before the season that was, that was part of the debut, United by Football, I think didn't do you any favors the way it edited things. And it left everybody thinking that Devion Smith was cut um, for what in the special looked like a polite request to not have chicken salad but to have pizza. You guys put out a tweet that kind of added some context to it, but didn't get the volume that, that all the stories about it got. Set us straight on how that whole thing unfolded and, and what actually got him released. I will, and I appreciate you guys asking that. Um, you know, first of all, let me say this. It, it's, it's a shame that I'm discussing someone who's not even a part of this football team it, and not, not a part of this league let alone this football team. Um, He's not a bad person. This happened, this incident happened well over a month ago. And so uh, I really, it caught me off guard when all this became national news. Now, let's get to some facts. Um, Very disappointed on how it was presented because what America saw or read was the moment and not the events that led up to the moment. And when I came into this, when I first met my team, uh, I had a big grease board and the message was said simply, prior agreements will prevent later misunderstandings. Plain and simple. They all had a handbook that I had passed out to every player and coach on this football team two months ago. And they read it. And there was one rule within the play in the handbook that said, and I'll read it verbatim, okay? Stealing, punching a player who's not looking, sexual assaults, any form of disrespect that they would be going home. Because we're not here for a long time. We're here about business. We were here about football. So that was in the handbook that clearly every player saw. And on top of that, I read the line again in presence of every member of this football team. So there was the prior agreement right there in place. And and that I said, there will be no second chances. There'll be no crying about it. If you cross the line in any form of disrespect, you would go home, no matter who it was. And long story short now, move forward. There was three separate incidents that were brought to my attention that particular day, meaning the night before he was released. I verified, I talked to all three people involved. He was not malicious. He was not bad. 
He didn't threaten to beat up anybody. But there were three separate incidents in one day in three separate areas of the hotel where there was a lack of respect involved, which clearly was part of our prior agreement. So once that occurred, I spoke to those individuals. I confirmed what had happened. And the next morning, we had the meeting, which was captured on film. And, and I get it. It's reality TV. You, you're going to present the moment. And sometimes the events that led to that moment are not exposed. And I understand that. And I told that player at the time, I will speak to any general manager or head coach that calls to inquire about you, about your character. You made a mistake. I hope you get another chance. I will support you in that. And that that never, no one's ever called since then. And he just made a mistake. And doesn't mean he's a bad person. So I was kind of caught off guard when it got out the way it came out that had nothing to do with food. So that was curious how that started. And I know how America gets and, and, and how things work. And, uh, you know, I've been around a long time. I'm 60 years old. I've seen a lot and, and been involved in a lot. So I get it. But uh, it was just disappointing on how it was presented that a football coach who's been around and done as much as I've done and been a part of that would release a young man for something like that. That was very disappointing. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter whose fault it was, just disappointing that that's how it came out. But we moved on from that. I'm glad we got the team that we have. I wish that young man well. Uh, he reached out to me several times uh, requesting to be given another chance. He apologized for his actions. Uh, he'd be a better person than he was the night before during the incident. But we moved on. And I explained that to him. And I wish him well. I really do. And I'll... I would do anything for him right now. And I told him that really hurt my heart that I had to release a running back who I selected to be a part of my team. So that was the disappointing part of it. But again, we moved on. I hope it's, you know, I hope we can move past this now. I'm really excited about the people we have, the running backs that we have. And I really would like to, hopefully this sets the record straight um, and, and we can move on and, and concentrate on the guys that are here who have bought in 100%, doing things the right way, and are not involved in things that's going to make me have a, make, the, make a decision on their careers. Well, you definitely set the record straight. Have you had to have any other disciplinary issues or d- issue disciplined anyone on the team since that incident? I guess what I'm asking, Coach, is did that serve to get the attention of your team with your rule book moving forward? And, and I'm, you know, let's clarify. It's not a rule book. It's a handbook. What a lot of things that needed to be addressed league-wide, team-wise, player-wise, so it was, there was one rule in it, and I'm just, I've always been big on treating people with respect and being kind, no matter how you see them in life or view them. So we had one other incident, and we handled it accordingly, and we moved on. I wish those men well. When you put a person in a position to make a decision, you cut yourself. You cut yourself because the agreement's been in place. So uh, I don't have a problem uh, being the, the America's bad guy so to speak, if that's what they want to do to me. But I'm a football coach. That's that's it. All I do, I'm a football coach, and I try to develop men. And some of these things aren't football. They're not even related to football. I like to call it life lessons. Because nowadays in society, if you disrespect someone out in the street, there's a good chance you could lose your life. And uh, we all know that. And, and it's on TV and social media every single day. So that that's a life lesson. And I hope these men will grow and say, you know what? That little head coach 
really tried to help me. He really tried to help me and he had no ill will. It was not personal. He tried to help me. And if you go back and talk to any of the 140 men that I've worked with as a position coach uh, in the NFL alone, and then go back to college and talk to another 100 or so, there's not one single player that can ever say, Coach Kirby treated me poorly. Coach Kirby uh, didn't care about me. Coach Kirby disrespected me. Not one single player in my career can ever say that or has said that because I know and they know. And, and, and uh, the texts, the phone calls I receive, not only from in the coaching community, but from former players, college and professionally, uh, some famous, some not famous, some never played another down after college. But the fact that those men reached out and said, we know your character. We know what you represent. We know how you raised us and helped us develop. Uh, that meant a lot to me because I have children, too. And I have two that are still under 21 and three that are grown adults and some with children. So that 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 kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I know my character. I've been raised as a man and a person the right way and in this coaching profession the right way. And I'm proud of that. So that that was a that was a shot below the belt. I didn't appreciate, but I've moved on. Kirby Wilson, our guest, head coach of the Pittsburgh Maulers, and just from a common sense standpoint, coach, and, and then I'll move on to a bit of the background that shows your character and your perseverance. Uh, to my knowledge, you're only allowed five non-injury moves on your roster so uh, through 10 weeks. So th that doesn't make sense to make a move based on chicken salad and pizza. <laughs> that's, that's how I would. There you go. <laughs> I, that's why I would describe that as just got kind of a, a dumb issue to begin with. Uh, unless a player's down for injury, you can't make a you can make five roster moves when cutting a player. You're not going to waste one of those moves over food. Um, Count your blessings, not your problems. I, I know that's one of uh, your your life mottos, and and that came to, uh, to to mean a whole lot more in January of 2012. Um, your condo caught on fire, and you suffered what 30 to 50 percent of your body suffered third degree burns, um, and you were in a medically induced coma for three weeks. You survived this uh, miraculously. As you, how often do you do you discuss this with your team? Uh, the backstory with all this, and and the fact that as you look back, you are coaching where you are now, and and went on to coach uh, for for the remainder of the thirty six years for a, a handful of different organizations after Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I shared that. I, I believe in transparency with my team, and and being honest and having conversations with them that are maybe sometimes non football related, and so I shared that story with them because that is my testimony, and and in life. I'm a firm believer in life. The only thing you ever really own, man, is your story. And I had one, and I shared it with my team. Uh, I'm proud of that. It's, it is my testimony that I'm still here, that uh, I'm still doing things that I love. And it, it reminds me of, you know, one of the one of the greatest songs I've ever heard is, is you know, whether whatever it means, what, whoever, uh, Elton John's, I'm still standing. And I'm still standing after all these years. You know, feeling like a kid again. I'm here, and uh, I love what I do. I love the game of football, and, and that's not going to change. I have a passion for football. I have a passion for helping players develop. Football is a relationship game, and it's about building relationships and developing players. And at the end of the day, guys, that's really all I care about when it comes to my team, trying to be right by them, help them get where they want to go, and show them there's a different way 
than has been done before. And, and my goal for this team, as I share it with the players, when they leave here, I want them to say that was one of the most positive experiences I've had in a long time. And I meant that from the bottom of my heart. I want this to be something special for them, something they can sit back and say, I made history. I was a part of the USFL reboot and I helped start that league. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of what I put on tape. I'm proud of how I developed under Coach Wilson and his staff. He treated me with respect. He treated me like a man. He helped me play and develop into something I wasn't before I got to him. And that's really all I care about at the end of the day are, are these men on this football team. Curry, this was right in the middle of the of the Steelers playoff run, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I, 2012, I don't know if that was the, the game in Denver with Tebow or not. Denver. Okay. Yeah, it um, was. Larry Foote, Larry Foote still blames the loss on me. He says that they were worried and thinking about me and they couldn't concentrate on the game. So we always have a laugh about that every now and then. That he still blames that loss on me. And the funny thing I remember about Kevin Colbert out of that, he wouldn't tell me who won the game. When I finally came out of the coma, I remember vividly asking him who won. And he kind of skirted around it. He would go to another topic. He would ask me how I was feeling and – he wouldn't tell me. It took a couple of trips before he finally told me. So that, that was one of the good memories, fun memories out of that horrible experience that I have was just how deeply caring uh, that organization and those men were toward my health and my family's well-being. So uh, I'm Pittsburgh forever. I'm proud of it to represent the 412. And I, I got a lot of work to go to live up to those standards, but I'm up for it and I'm up to it. Colbert's final draft coming up. We've been discussing if, uh, if he's going to set them up with a quarterback the same way Ozzie Newsom did in Baltimore. Do you have any feel for how he'll, he'll try to do that in his final draft? I, I do, but I would never share it <laughs> out of respect. But I can't wait for the draft, man, because uh, this is going to be a special night for him as well, the organization, uh, all of the people and wonderful people he's mentored over the years, myself included in that. Uh, it's going to be a special night, and I know, I know where my TV is going to be on that night, and and where, what I'm going to be doing. So can't wait, and I look forward to uh, the Steelers doing something really special uh, Thursday night. I, I have a feeling that Monday morning is going to be crazy for the league for USFL because all of the players would have signed undrafted contracts at that point, and then if you're still unsigned, you're you're probably turning down to Birmingham to try to jump on a roster. Am I wrong in my thinking there, or do you think it's going to get kind of crazy? You know, I, I don't know. I think a lot of guys uh, feel good what they have. Uh, the guys that were, you know, potential free agents or could have been in our draft pool chose not to be. And, and, and we all understand that. When you spend now going on five, six weeks of training and developing and building relationships, uh, it, it had to be really, truly something special. Uh, for that to happen. But I, I can't speak for every team. I can't speak for every coach. But we know that we're, we're always looking to add, you know, good players, high character people. Uh, so we'll see. But right now, we like where we are. We just got to keep working, man. We got to keep developing. Defensive battle coming up uh, with you and, and Fisher on Sunday uh, in the, the divisional battle as well. Best of luck to you, coach. Thank you for the time. Uh, we look forward to, to tuning into the league again this weekend. Enjoy it. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you very much. All right. Bye Kirby, now. Kirby Wilson there, head coach of the Pittsburgh Maulers and a longtime NFL running backs coach, uh, was there as part of the initial staff with, with Mike Tomlin in 2007. Um, and then the house fire is what 
led uh, to his departure there whenever he finished the rehab, and then he was back in with a number of other teams, including the Patriots after that. A miraculous story Quite there. a story, yeah. Coming up, some headlines including Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, and man, they, they just won't stop talking about each other, which is Crazy. kind of odd <laughs> because they stay in the headlines, and it makes us believe that something up was – Something was up, despite them trying to make everyone convinced that it was a mutual parting of ways. We'll, we'll discuss this coming up on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Bruce Arians, uh, through his foundation, has raised a ton of money for the, the Arians Family Foundation. And they were at a uh, an event, a huge dinner this past weekend where he was asked about his relationship with Brady. Outkick 360 rolls on. Uh, where he said, well, uh, he's going to give me a watch, a $50,000 watch. And if we hate each other, I don't think he'd be giving me a $50,000 watch. We're going to play golf at some point. Um, I don't think they hate each other. But if you read between the lines and follow the timeline of all of this, I think it's pretty evident that Arians not coming back is okay with Tom Brady. Might have been a precondition for his uh, unretirement. It's a, uh, a fifty thousand dollar watch, maybe payola as, as part of the, <laughs> the retirement. Look, this is very Sorry much for making, a, getting you retired, yeah, coach. Here's a fifty thousand dollar Rolex. This is very much it's probably uh, a regift. At least he was asked a question here. Yeah, maybe. At least he was asked a question here, and he wasn't just uh, talking. But like you said in the tease here. Every time they say more and more about it, it becomes more and more evident that they're like talking in order to cover up the fact that there was really an issue here, yeah. right? It's it's like a cartoon thing where you you uh, you talk about something to well, try to cover it up. Well, no, no, uh, boss, the 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 thing isn't over there in the corner. Don't look there. That's not where it is. It's that kind of cartoonish well, level to it. Even if I mean, what did he really say? You know, this was even at a charity event where you could have really gone off the cuff a little bit. And all That's he said funny. was, I mean, he's going to give me a watch and we're going to golf. I don't think he, I don't think we hate each other. It's really not going into a lot of detail about their actual relationship to say someone doesn't hate you. Um, and I'm now laughing at the possibility of this is a re-gift. Yeah, that's what I thought immediately. That uh, that Tom Brady, you know, got this is a this was a gift here, from the coach. King of Luxembourg. Yeah, enjoy this gold watch that uh, Giselle and when I, I received went to, in our I trip got this in England when I went to talk to well, the Glazers said, about how I would only come back if you weren't the coach. He he said more. He said that you know this is never going to go away. The national narrative is that we're not seeing eye to eye, but uh, people think they know, but they don't. You know he. he he brought it up, and Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times just happened to be in the audience. <laughs> and uh, Rick, and Stroud Stroud Rick Stroud's had a very good couple of years. Quoted him on it. Um, and the, the columnists and writers and reporters in New England, they immediately jumped on the code red train of this. They, the, the columnists and uh, those with opinions that covered Brady for years, for what, 19 years, said, uh, no doubt he was behind this. 
and why Arian stepped down when he did versus when Brady decided to come back. Well, it's the one thing maybe we're not giving enough credit to that the Miami thing fell apart. And so, like, he... Uh, that's part of it, too. You know, he, well, the he Miami left. thing could have happened in 2019, 2020, whenever he went on his, his visits. I mean, that's when the yacht visits took place. He didn't have to go to Tampa. Yeah, but this, this time around, post um, Flores, but before the, then the lawsuit is seemingly yeah. the thing that threw that whole thing off. But, yeah, I mean, it seems clear that the timing of the whole thing, just it's weird he comes back and then the coach, you know, two, three, four weeks later, he's at the owner's meetings, but only mm-hmm. ha- one foot in, one foot out. Odd. I mean, it's, it's not hard. Sometimes in the NFL, it's just not hard to connect the dots. You know, like with some of these draft picks, you know, who do they need? <laughs> what position is their biggest need? What guy has that skill set and plays that position? A lot of times, that's going to be the pick. And, the, the, and so, sometimes one plus one equals two. Right. And I don't think they hate each other. No. I don't think there's any hatred. I think Tom Brady didn't want anyone interfering with what he was doing offensively at all. And he's got the- He wanted someone to help him and not ever come in and try to change a game plan or put anything in, and that's not Bruce Arians. And so he's it got didn't the work power out. to do that. After you know, a, a year where it did work out, it didn't work out after two years. And it's fine. I don't think they hate each other. Well, the, that wasn't happening at first. That's what I said. The after meddling. a year of it working. No, of, of, right. me, of meddling, I'm saying. It wasn't happening. Byron Leftwich was getting all the credit, and Arians started changing game plans. Or trying to. That's, that's how I read into it. Yeah, yeah it worked for a, a year, and it didn't the second year because something changed. That simple. Or Brady put up with it the first year and then the second and, and won despite it. The second year, he was like, listen, we won uh, and uh, we don't need you doing that anymore. I'm tired of it. I, I yeah. put up with it for the first My guess year is because Brady I was, in was a doing new what place. he wanted anyway. Yeah. And Arians was likely to retire last year, came back after the Super Bowl year, and then Brady said, I'm out. <laughs> Here's a watch. Enjoy Someday this watch. maybe we'll read about it in a book. Enjoy this $50,000 watch. That I got You've while I was coach. talking to the Glazers about you. John McClay may not have a $50,000 watch, but they're giving $50,000 worth of parades and gifts with McClain's retirement. He gives us He's that back in draft headlines next.